0: Thank you. So welcome to the Postscript. You know what I really hate, Thomas? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> I fucking hate. I've been listening to, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And mm. some podcasts mm. just have this tendency to cold open with thanking individual patrons. Oh, yeah. Patrons. And it's, I mean, like, it's great that they value their patrons. Mm. And it's great that they have this sort of ability to monetize their podcast. Mm. But for the love of God, that shit is obnoxious to listen to. In the opening? That's so annoying. In the opening, like before... Any content. So I subscribed to this podcast because it had some interesting subject matter that I was wanting to listen to. And then mm-hmm. I choose an episode of the thing I wanted to listen to. And then it's like fucking five minutes of no, fucking names. That's too much. And it's always the same thing. There's like, and thank you to Alex Henderson for a five dollars. Oh, I really like the name Alex. Oh, that reminds me of this one time. When <laughs> I was like,
1: just shut the... F- I don't want to listen to that. Yeah, and there's, there's actually a lot of podcasts that have superfluous talk that's not really... Interesting. I don't really care about that. When you open up, you're talking about okay. So there's let's say I'm checking out a podcast for a film that I'm interested in. Yeah, right. To see what they've got to say, and then they spend like what half an hour just talking about. Yeah, how's it going on, Alex? How how you doing? Well, that that, I think that can work if it's
0: people who are very naturally funny and it's a comedian podcast, for instance. I think that works very well. Maybe,
1: but that's not why I was listening. Checking out that (laughs) episode. It
0: it depends on the format and the subject matter. Mm. But I totally agree. Like some podcasts have this like.
1: Oh, and by the way,
0: uh, before we start today, we have a lot of new merchandise out and mm. two new shirts. And you know, we always have the best design on our shirts. And by the way, <laughs> talking of live shows, we have a like, fuck off, yeah. just get to the. Like, you can pander after the show. Like, yeah. that's perfectly fine. Mm i just want to listen to you know this story about this cannibal <laughs> and i just really need the details yeah uh, of the um, horrific shit that went down and so you can sell your shirts after the yeah details. yeah
1: i think there's a time and a place and you know it's annoying to me at least this you know I, I get that yeah as you say if you can make money off it that's great but like heavy monetization whether it's in free to play games or YouTube videos or podcasts. It becomes like an assault on the listener or oh, viewer. Jesus Christ, that reminds me I was there's another podcast yeah. I'm, I'm listening to. And there's so many
0: commercials. Yeah. But that's that's not the worst thing about it. Mm. The worst thing is that it's these fucking obnoxious commercials. Like one mm. of them is this commercial with Machine Gun Kelly and Tommy Lee from Motley Crew. Mm. And he plays the devil or something. And it just sounds like he's Phoning it in, like he doesn't sound engaged at all. Mm. And it's these obnoxious, like sound effects and like music in the background. And it's like, it's this horrible assault on your fucking ears. And y- you know, that's one thing if you listen to it one time, but then it's like fucking five, six times during an episode, like every that's too time. Much. And also it's bundled with like three other fucking commercials for horrific shows. Like one of them was like this program about romance and love. Like everything in life is about romance. We're talking sex. We're talking relationships. (laughs) And we just want to talk about love. Everything is about sex and how we relate to sex and the willingness to mate. And like that's like the actual Mm. voice of the person. Like I I probably did a milder version of it. (laughs) Sounds Uh, annoying. Yeah, but that's bad in itself. But then it's broadcasted in this quite serious true crime show, Mm. like about violence towards women. Like, it's just really obnoxious the way that's sort of paired together. Like, there's better ways of, I don't know, maybe you should put those commercials in shows that suit the Mm. content better. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I remember, I think you recommended to me, it's really good podcasts. I, you know, I like podcasts that are also miniseries. You know, there's a limited run. like Yeah, I love that. And there's, there's a really good one called The Happy Face or The Happy Face Killer. Yeah. And that one, while it's great, it has so many commercials. Like, it starts off with a couple. It has a couple at the end. And they are, like, three or four in the middle. Yeah, right. It ruins it, you know. I'm happy for you to monetize. But don't, like, shit on your listener. I have two
0: commercials. Like, you don't
1: need five yeah. in one episode. <sighs> I guess, you know.
0: You can't knock the grind, but at the same time, it, it's just obnoxious to listen to. And sometimes the commercials feel like sort of sinister. Like I think specifically, I was listening to a podcast about the Boston Strangler. Yeah, really good podcast. But I think I'm not sure if it was that specific podcast, but mm. something similar to mm. that. But uh, you have a lot of commercials about like home security. <laughs> <laughs> They're like building on this fear of home invasion in these. Like it's so it's so nefarious. Yeah, that's quite funny. Yeah. Like, that's quite good placement, but it just feels like you're really playing on people's fears in a (laughs) way that's really obnoxious.
1: Maybe the show was uh, produced by this home security company.
0: Yeah, (laughs) maybe that, like, you know BTK, he worked on home security installations. Mm. Yeah, Maybe he did that because he wanted to sell home security. You know, I sadly
1: heard that the really good Netflix series, Mindhunter, has been cancelled. Like They had two seasons. Yeah. Super uh, great. And I I suppose he was uh, considered as one of the, you know, maybe upcoming uh, characters. Yeah,
0: there was was like these hints that he would be important, which is a really strange choice considering he wasn't caught until like 1991 or something like he was caught well, maybe early. they'd have
1: many seasons then <laughs> yeah
0: like were they planning 10 seasons or were they planning like a huge time jump because and also weird because in mindhunter it's about this sort of cognitive profiling from the fbi's side and that didn't really come into account with catching btk mm. yeah like, so maybe
1: the show would have developed in some different ways
0: like because he btk he managed to get caught because of his own hubris he sent a letter i think and asked like can you trace floppy disks and the police were like uh no no we we can't trace that of course they could but he (laughs) believed it and then they sent them like this floppy disk uh, and they traced it back to him like he was just a fucking moron (laughs) that's pretty funny actually yeah that's that's (laughs) funny but it didn't have much to do with profiling no but it's sad because mindhunter was it's just the effort made to Mm. the time periods and stuff is just fucking crazy
1: yeah it's a quality show you know it's well written it's engaging as you said well-researched the acting's good. Was yeah. the it was initially initiated at least by David Fincher. How much he directed of it is is a little bit unclear. I think he was probably a producer. I'm sure he like did like the first two episodes or
0: something. Are you sure? He seems like a bit of a huge control freak. In a quite good sense oh, yeah. because oh, yeah, sure. he, he's really meticulous about the work he does with the time periods and stuff.
1: Yeah, well, in series often like Committing to doing entire series, that's a really big job. And I'm sure he has other projects that he's working on. Yeah. So, you like, doing a few episodes in the start that kind of set the tone and style. Yeah, you see it sometimes. Yeah. And often, when it's done,
0: that can be a huge bonus for a series, like, for just thematic cohesion yeah. and stuff.
1: Yeah, like that Brett Ratner episode of Twin Peaks Season 3 was so bad. There's some stuff in Season 3 of <laughs> Twin Peaks that is just so terrible. <laughs> fucking soap opera. Like, the McGee directed episode.
0: And it's stupid because so much of Twin Peaks is sort of a parody of daytime TV, in a mm-hmm. sense. Like, the whole mystery of the town and these characters it's like days of our lives almost mm-hmm. and then in season three it sort of actually becomes that so yeah that was that was horrific but it sort of picked itself up again a bit towards the end of three and it's done a really nice cliffhanger well
1: I, me personally i just love season three throughout i had such a great time watching no, i mean it. season two of course yeah season two, season oh. two is, uh, is something else that's of course yeah it was if, season two i was
0: yeah. uh, referring to with the whole soap opera stuff season mm. three is
1: something quite different yeah no, my my joke was that season three of Twin Peaks, of course, is all David Lynch. And, you know, no one, no one like McGee or Brett Rathne, whatever, you know, uh, <laughs> I like explaining my jokes.
0: Yeah, that makes it all the more funny. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just. Trying to contain my laughter. Yeah. you just true. I can yeah. see. But yeah, like the third season of Twin Peaks is fucking amazing. Mm. And it's such a like their artistic vision throughout. Mm. You don't really see in these more sprawling series mm. where you have a new director every episode. It often does feel more formulaic because it has to be to maintain some sort of sense of cohesion. But then you have other interesting ways of doing it, like in Adventure Time, where you bring in guest directors yeah. to do their own like specific take on the universe.
1: Yeah, and they sometimes, you know, bring along their animation style, like claymation or some other computer elements. Yeah, I love that. I
0: love that part of Adventure Time, but those episodes were usually some of the worst ones just because it was more experimental than it was sort of engaging narrative-wise.
1: This is one episode that is really good, though. It's about there's a virus taking over... Ooh. The land of Ooh. The land of ooh. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, you know your lore. And it's revealed... That it's the virus is like a surplus amount of videos of you know girls shoving like like up down their throat like as a as a thing. There's just a growing amount of these, and it's kind of ruining the world. Yeah, David O'Reilly, I think, and he's like this really interesting um, animation director. The episode's called "A Glitch Is a Glitch." Uh, that's one of the most memorable episodes of Adventure Time.
0: But yeah, that's in general. It's one of those shows that we're willing to fuck with the recipe a lot and willing to experiment a lot
1: yeah he actually he's done a video game i haven't played it but it sounds kind of cool it's called everything and the concept is that there's a world and you can it's a simulator of everything so you can you can play as anything in that world i don't know what that entails but it looks nice it looks yeah i've heard about it actually i guess it's kind of like a a sandbox i really don't know but you know he he seems like an interesting guy at least that he makes interesting things for sure Speaking of video games, I've started playing Subnautica. Oh, so good. <laughs> are you liking it? Yeah, I love it. It's
0: absolutely fantastic. Like, oh. I I am pretty tired of survival games, really, yeah. but it doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. There's something about that that is just really satisfying because of the exploration. Mm. Mecha- like, the exploration is really fulfilling. Mm. Like, there's these environments are so interesting, and the creatures that get more horrific the deeper you go, yeah. you know. It's sounds quite scary, actually. Yeah, it's, it's quite horrific at yeah. times. It's really unsettling. Yeah. Like when you're really
1: deep down and you're running low on Mm. oxygen and like it can be extremely terrifying Mm. at times. But also the creature design is so amazing in that or like the fish design i guess yeah okay so you have like your your normal fish on the surface level and then you have some let's say non-aggressive like larger things that create a mood and like a sense of place scale sense of scale sense yeah. of scale and and then the lower down you go you find these huge monsters really dangerous creatures yeah
0: like you feel smaller and smaller <laughs> yeah the further down you go it's just great mm. it works so well like the mechanics of Mm. survival games in this setting work really well whereas in a lot of other
1: settings like the whole point is just the mechanics Mm. without having this sense of exploration yeah here it makes sense and it's really a smartly constructed game I think because it's almost like a metroidvania because you keep developing new gear and you have like a 3D printer that you can like get new fins and a new like oxygen tank so you can swim deeper and like a small submarine and stuff so you're constantly pushed towards innovation and like the more you can do the further you can go so you can explore more and see more
0: yeah and also you find stuff that you is unavailable to you because Mm. of so it does feel a bit like a metroidvania in that Mm. aspect and it's really fulfilling and it's kind of
1: beautiful at times too yeah the mood is so good the sound and like the music is great the sound design is amazing uh, it's it's really really finely tuned game yeah I mean, it does have a lot of bugs, as we said, yeah. and uh, it can be a bit annoying. It can be really annoying, like yeah. some stuff, but overall, it's, yeah. it's just really amazing. It's one of my definite top game experiences. Probably they're making a sequel. An sequel. actual sequel, yeah, because they have this there. Below Zero, which I've played a, a bit. It's not finished, so they had an early access version, which, you know, it's good. I like it. Yeah. But if they're making a, a proper sequel, I'm I'm for yeah, that. I've heard it's
0: the sort of Antarctic version is good, but mm. it's just, it's not as good as the main game, but it's not as deep yeah. either. It's, it's
1: not as deep, no. I'd say it's good I mean like literally yeah. it
0: doesn't go as deep. No, no,
1: no. I mean on on all levels I think that's yeah. uh, fair to say, but I would also say, you know, if you like Subnautica then definitely this it's it's great. it has other elements. It does some things a bit differently. Mm. It has a bit more of a narrative. There's some of it in Subnautica and Yeah,
0: I think you're an actual character yeah, as opposed true. to Subnautica where you're sort mm. of a blank slate. Mm. But that works very well yeah. in Subnautica. Mm. Like you're not forced into this character.
1: I think Subnautica does it really well because the story is is okay. It's kind of generic. Uh, But it's not front and center, and it gives a nice push forward. It kind of drives you towards exploring more. But it doesn't take so much space... It's not that relevant for your experience, but it, yeah. it's a nice tool to push you forward. And right?
0: most of the storytelling is environmental; yeah. like it's found audio logs and yeah. stuff, which has been done a lot before in mm. other games. But it's not really obnoxious in this yeah. game because it's so optional. The lore is pretty cool too; mm. like the stories are pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's amazing, but it serves a no, function it's not really, really well. The main point yeah.
0: either it just serves to sort of further the ambiance mm. in a way. That is perfect for the game. Mm. I, like, they shouldn't have focused more on the story. No, no, no.
1: I, I completely agree. So do you know anything about the sequel? Have they, have they said anything about it? No. I, I just
0: heard that okay. recently, so mm. I, I'm not much
1: aware of it. Yeah. Unknown Worlds, that's the company. They started doing Half-Life mods, I think. They had a couple of famous Half-Life mods. Like yeah. I, I didn't, never played them, but they seem interesting. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the
0: sequel I heard about is the Antarctic stuff, because that is in early access, I think. Yes, yeah, still. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's come quite far. Yeah, that's absolutely lovely. I just love,
0: you know, media that has a real sense of place mm. and sort of is able to create this environment, I yeah. guess. like A lot of media just feels so unable to do that and it is difficult to you know have this contained sense of place and time and like spatial environments that feel like there's this veracity to it
1: and it makes sense yeah and it's interesting yeah it's
0: engaging it's not just window dressing Mm. you know i love that some games are just a sense of space and Mm. a sense of place and it works Mm. like you have these sort of walking generally just story and place Mm. Uh, and it's not really a game, right? But it's still interesting, even if you don't really have any actual game mechanics.
1: Well, I'm not such a big fan when people say it's not a game or it's not a film. I mean, yeah, it's a game. And while it doesn't have a lot of complicated game mechanics, it doesn't mean it's not a game. It just uses interactivity in a no, more passive often, way. No, but
0: often it's levied as a very lazy criticism of mm. these types of things, yeah. which clearly are games. Like, mm. you're meant to sort of explore them and discover stuff. Mm. And, like, games in almost the truest sense of it because it's play right mm. you're just sort of experiencing something and enjoying it like uh, this game called Proteus I'm not sure if you played it a little bit yeah, yeah it's basically just this island mm. a really really cool art yeah. style really it's sort beautiful of whimsical almost mm. kind of pixelish but still very very distinct art mm. style and really there's no narrative there's no nothing almost just this environment mm. and how you sort of go and you sort of interact with stuff but I can imagine a lot of people hating it. Mm. And I know a lot of people find it very like, like what is this bullshit, right? But yeah. you sort of have to allow yourself to... I think a lot of people limit their sort of... They don't allow themselves to experience stuff that is outside their normal sense of media or normal sense of uh, genre, mm.
1: almost. It's about expectations, really, and I think it's a lack of curiosity. I mean, and if that's not your thing, you know, fine, play FIFA or whatever. But uh, I, I, I think, yeah. like, the term video game shouldn't be narrowed just because it's not your specific interest of what it can be.
0: No, but it's so stupid. Like, it, it reminds me of uh, the whole, like, Frank Zappa was often incredibly criticized for having so much humor in his music. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Novelty music.
0: Yeah, it's novelty music. It's just gag music. Mm. And also one of my favorite bands, Ween, mm. It's also not been criticized so much mm. as just being underrated mm. because there's a lot of humor mm. in their music. But there's a lot of real musical exploration and really good musicality and yeah. like real art in it mm. too. And it's such a stupid criticism. Oh, yeah. it,
1: it has humor, therefore it cannot be good music or good art. Yeah, some people seem put off by it. You know, both those bands are also really they're smart band i mean they're musically very good yeah love... musically innovative and creative yeah. and experimental
0: and, and really interesting mm. on that level
1: but they're um, also quite you know they're smart you know yeah, thematically yeah. they explore a lot For of different sure. things and humor can be quite disarming and they have a lot of silly humor like bananas and blow yeah you, i mean <laughs> i really like that song but it's you know super silly but great pizza can also be silly there's nothing that says it can't be
0: Wien also has a lot of serious and and sad stuff. Like There's a lot of variety, but people just pick the silly stuff Mm. and judge everything to be facile or childish Mm. almost. Also, the way Takashi Miike is Mm. criticized for being obnoxiously violent Mm. and sort of... He's also very silly. Yeah, (laughs) silly, right? But he's also an interesting filmmaker. These criticisms are often incredibly superficial. Yeah, But I think especially in the gaming industry, there's a lot of criticisms when things are being perceived as too artsy Mm. or too highbrow or too like conceptual gamers can often be just horrible Mm. in engaging with the sort of things they love and often are just obnoxious in criticizing stuff because of perceived intellectuality Mm. or this sort of snobbish mode of doing something that a lot of people just want to be gamified or gamic Mm. or or movie-like but Mm. not be artistic or confrontational yeah.
1: and there's also like an element of a, a social marker where you're kind of drawing a line of what is acceptable or not acceptable in a yeah right. in in your field and of course there's lots of it in music and in literature and stuff as well and in film i, I really hated when like people who just they've all they've seen is american films and they you know see something that's diverges from that and they say oh that's bad acting yeah. or that's not a film I mean, are you you fucking (laughs) retarded? Of course it's a film. Just because it's not what you've used to seeing. Do you have a specific example? You know, some of the acting in uh, Takashimika's films, uh, or like just expressive acting, like Imprint, we're talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people uh, were criticizing that film for having shit acting. And it's really expressive acting, I think. It's a different mode of acting. Yeah. It's really not traditional. Mm. (laughs) Western-style acting. Mm. It's not really what you're used to
0: seeing Mm. in Western media. Mm. And so it can seem strange Mm. and maybe bad because you don't understand it, right?
1: Mm. You you don't have patience for... You know, expressive acting has often been put into, like, a, a box of, like, say, amateurism or non-professionalism or lack of skill. Yeah, um, like, Nicolas Cage is often
0: criticized for being, like, too expressive and too manic. But, I mean, he's he's
1: proven many times that he can act super well, so that doesn't really hold sure. over him. and he
0: is terrible in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But often he's the best thing in a terrible movie (laughs) uh, because he's just entertaining no matter what. And I I guess I'm not saying you shouldn't be critical of Mm. anything because that's totally valid. Mm. But I think a lot of art is dismissed because you're not willing to give it a shot.
1: Mm. Yeah, actually, I went to the cinema recently and saw a film I was quite interested to see. It's called uh, The Painted Bird. I was kind of hoping it might be like an unpleasant contender. It certainly is unpleasant. It's black and white. It's beautifully shot. It looks like this classical black and white almost some of it looks like war photography and it's a Czech film it reminds me a lot of like the classic tradition of like Polish and Czech cinema the kind of Eastern European that's quite close to the the Western tradition in a lot of ways very sort of dramatic it's about a young boy it's in the Second World War he's a Jew and his parents have left him with an old woman because they think he's safe but she dies in an accident and so he's kind of left his own devices wandering across the country trying to survive and it's based on a book and it's divided in chapters and each chapter is like that the main character that he meets um, and it has a lot of small roles by famous people like Stellan Skarska, Harvey Keitel, Udo Kier. It's quite funny actually there. They've all dubbed these these actors so Udo Kier they give him this really gruff voice. <laughs> it's it's interesting yeah. Anyway the film is pretty good you know I do like it but I do have a lot of criticisms as well. Um, the way you describe it it sort of sounds
0: like a bit better Jojo Rabbit.
1: Uh, Yeah, they're not so... Like a lot of famous people Mm -hmm. in a World Mm
0: -hmm. War II sort of... uh, Yeah, No,
1: they're not similar at all, really. It doesn't have that kind of humoristic. It's very self-serious and it also has some experiences in acting, which I I quite like. and, And some of the roles are pretty good. But it's a film that's, I mean, figuratively also quite black and white, like good characters, bad characters. There's little ambiguity and you do have some scenes of like, unpleasantness and stuff, but it's not as aware of you as a you and the effect of film as if you as a lot of the films that we're talking about it's very deeply invested in like this film history this guy who's made it he's obviously seen a lot of stuff and there is one cameo that's that's quite on the nose actually as this boy is standing on the river from some rocks and is close by to some soviet soldiers there's a grown man that comes over to him and kind of sympathizes with him and kind of helps him for a while through his his struggles and it's played by none other than uh Alexei Kevchenko from come and see that's amazing (laughs) and you know that's quite nice but a little bit pandering maybe if you No, that's because, of course, he would play like the nice guy who's had that experience. He sympathizes with his difficult situation.
0: In a way, it's sort of like almost irreverent, like seemingly reverent. But (laughs) then it's like, I'm basically making a movie of the same caliber.
1: And it certainly is not. But um, (laughs) that's a high high mark. You know, I I was very pleased to see that actor and the scenes with him are good and and stuff. And, you know, most people, they're not going to pick up that reference. And maybe I wouldn't have if it's not so long ago since I saw Does he still look, like, uh, shell-shocked? No. <laughs> you know, he looks good. He looks good. Right. But, you know, he has a distinct face. But, the, yeah, something a little bit about. It kind of reminds me a little bit... It's not quite the same thing, but have you seen 12 Years a Slave? I saw like 30 Minutes in the Eye. Sort of. Well, Brad Pitt has a role in it where he's kind of like the sympathetic good white guy. And he's also an executive producer. And I think Brad Pitt's is a great actor. I like him a yeah, lot of sure. things. But there's something a little bit pandering of giving himself the good guy role in that yeah. setting. And it's a bit too self-aware in a way. Yeah, um, I don't know, that,
0: like that movie, what I saw of it, it felt extremely predictable to me. Yeah. So it didn't really capture my attention. Like, I think there's more interesting stuff done on the period mm. and the themes than this one. It seemed to me a bit
1: too obviously sort of Oscar-worthy. Well, you know. I get what you're saying. I, I quite like it, but it's certainly it's quite predictable. And I think it has, you know, it's, it's well acted. And I like the director, Steve yeah. McQueen. And You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll come back to Steve McQueen For his debut feature, Hunger, which is a really good film and really unpleasant. (laughs) And much more unpredictable.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I do actually want to see more movies set in that time period because it's extremely interesting Mm. um, and so formative for the United States currently. Mm. um, And certainly extremely unpleasant time. Mm.
1: No, no, you know, Peter it's it's a good film, but it does lack some of that interesting ambiguity. And towards the end, he has some of it, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but most of the film has that some of that predictability. That's a bit too self-aware, I think, and you know, beautifully made. I guess I'd hope for more, a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons I didn't like Jojo Rabbit. Mm. It was extremely predictable. Mm. Uh, like you knew the whole sort of cadence of the story, mm. like pretty early on. The humor just sort of also fell flat for me in a, in a way that mm. is surprising mm. because. Is usually very funny. To yeah, me, but he is I don't a know, it just guy.
1: didn't work for me that movie. No, I think it starts off really strong. i do like uh, the start. Yeah, the
0: start is like, it seems conceptually really yeah. funny, like, and more focused on the mm. funniness of it. But then the Hitler character sort of fades away. Mm. And then it sort of starts taking itself quite seriously. And then the humor sort of becomes mm. like tonally strange in that set. Yeah, it, it felt weird. And then you have the really predictable overarching story. Mm. Yeah. I actually didn't see it finished. You didn't miss out. It just got worse.
1: I thought it started really strong, and I I do like Taika Waititi, and I was, I guess, a bit disappointed. Like, it's
0: not a horrible movie. Like, I can understand if you watch it and like it. I just found it a bit predictable Mm. and tonally a bit, like, yeah, I didn't quite understand how that was supposed to work. Mm. Like, I guess you could make it work, but it didn't work to me. Mm. I
1: don't know. Anyway, I've I've also been playing uh, this game. I've been curious for a while. Is it a funny game? Well, you know, funny games? definitely something funny about it. It's called Carrion. And at least on the surface level, it's kind of like a metroidvania. Basically, you are a collection of mouths, eyes, gory flesh, and like tentacles. And you've escaped from like this laboratory basin. And... You're kind of roaming around trying to grow and escape, and you're murdering loads of people. You yeah. eat people to yeah, but, survive. Uh, but I know
0: what you're like. I know you're describing yourself, <laughs> but what's, what's the game like? Yeah,
1: that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see me, but of course the, the listeners can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so The game is about something else. <laughs> so yeah, basically it's, it's like a 2D side-scrolling perspective. Yeah, it's Mario yeah it looks like a metagame, and you kind of grow and change and you get new abilities on different sizes and stuff and you keep breaking these containers to get new things and the disposability of human bodies is quite fun and you know it starts off almost too easy, like you're just this monstrous, really like scary, and there's almost a bit of unease about how destructive <laughs> and overwhelming you are. Yeah, And it controls, you know, it reminds me a little bit of examiner like in a way, like there's some chaos in the controls themselves. Controlling it is difficult because you're just this huge mass. And it sounds a bit like
0: inside, towards the end when you become this yeah. great mass of
1: kind of difficult to control flesh yeah yeah yeah. there's a bit of a similarity there i guess yeah except here like you're changing the mass all the time and your tentacles are shooting out and you, you kind of the pure physicality is so unpredictable in a way so you're controlling it and you're not controlling it so precisely. And you're just murdering things very easily around you. And you're tearing things a bit. And you're kind of growing and changing. And you also have these sections where you control people. And they are almost remind me of flashback, like some of these old games, like kind of stiff but stylish platforming games of old. But it's really visually nice and quite visceral. But is it a good game? Yeah, I do like it. I guess, you know, I said it on surface level, it's quite metroidvania. But it doesn't really have that exploration element yeah. so much. I mean you do wander f- between zones and you kind of clear zones but it's quite straightforward and I guess you can unlock certain areas if you have new skills but it feels like you're going in one path directly forward. Yeah so it's quite linear. Yeah it is more linear than I guess I would like and that's the choice they've made and it doesn't necessarily make the game worse but it makes me slightly less interested but I really enjoy playing it and looking at it and just you know the pure physicality is, is yeah. so fascinating.
0: That's what we're looking for in this life pure <laughs> physical emotions
1: just like old- all <laughs> benny from benny's video oh benny boy yeah
0: just trying to experience something big old benny big old benny yeah
1: i'm sure we'll talk about this next time i wonder if there's an idea that he's the same character in the in the game
0: it does seem like a sequel to
1: <laughs> benny's video yeah, it, seems, because, it seems plausible
0: <laughs> yeah he grew up and is still a psychopath mm-hmm. and likes to play around with people's lives
1: you know the actor who plays the, the father in, in his video he also plays the father in funny games he has the same name i think also george i think yeah, yeah but he, it is. this is the thing actually Haneke does he he has the same anna and george i think that he uses those names on characters all the time in his films weirdly yeah i hope those are not of his parents names <laughs> maybe it is maybe it's just
0: constantly <laughs> trying to
1: murder his parents yeah
0: like the whole uh bohemian ideology of you have to murder your parents to truly express yourself. Like, Let's
1: get that inheritance a bit quicker. Yeah,
0: that too. They were talking about it metaphorically and not actually murdering your parents all the time. but get That's what they all say. Yeah. Like, we would all murder people if we could get away with it.
1: Would we? I mean, it seems like a very unpleasant thing to do.
0: I don't think so. But did I think you mean
1: figuratively? No, I mean, um, a lot of moralists,
0: especially like hyper-religious people,
1: mm. have that argument that mm.
0: we need religion because... Otherwise, we would just kill each other constantly.
1: Yeah. That is typical uh, atheist behavior.
0: Yeah, I really would kill everyone, but thankfully, the Lord tells <laughs> me not to. Yeah, I think that's probably it for this episode. We wish to thank you from the bottom of our hearts.
1: The very bottom. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, please send us an email at unpleasantmovies at protomail.com or check out our Instagram slash unpleasantmovies, the music for this episode was made by Umulium. That's Svadogur and Iu Skanning. My name is Thomas Balmbra. My name is Ogor. And that's it for now. So bye bye. Goodbye.